Warning. Broadcast from Undisclosed Holler in the Appalachian Mountains in Northeast Alabama. They're not hillbillies, they're just billies from the hills. This is the Alabama Sportsman's Podcast. Welcome back to the Alabama Sportsman's Podcast. Be sure to like and follow us on social media. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to subscribe. It's been a few days since our last episode, but we had our computer crash or whatever they do. And it's been in the shop getting repaired. On today's episode, we have here Jerry Webb of Jackson County here to tell us how he continues to kill big mature bucks in this mountainous part of the state. Jerry has been featured in magazines and articles, and he has his own YouTube channel chronicling some of his hunts. Sit back, get you a drink, and listen to Jerry and how he is able to outsmart these big mountain bucks. Jerry, you hunt up in uh, Jackson County, North Alabama, and you know that fascinates a lot of people right there because it's real mountainous up there. How, how do you, how do you continue to kill big bucks like you do? And you've killed some big bucks. How do you continue to do this? Just being in a good place, it's got them. I mean, Jackson County's got some pretty good deer. Uh-huh. I've been fortunate enough to have some places where I can pursue good deer, and really, once you get past that first one that's all you want to kill so you let a lot of stuff grow up that wouldn't have never got by you that's right you know i've, I've noticed that in my life when i was younger i like it was a numbers game but in my early 20s when i killed my first you know real good wall hanger it's kind of like i graduated you know i was like you know what i want to continue to do this yeah me too i was the same way i i killed a my, my first mature deer i mean i i was a two-year-old slayer for a long time <laughs> <laughs> and my first mature deer was a, a drop time deer he was actually uh, the first deer i ever had on game camp and uh, I, I just got obsessed with him he was probably four or five years old he he was a big mature deer and uh, after i killed him the following season i killed another two-year-old and it was it was sickening almost Right, because I, I just couldn't I couldn't stand it after you know it just it didn't do do it nothing for me anymore it used to but it just didn't after I I killed my first good deer right and so after that I just I started letting other stuff walk and I learned a lot after letting other deer walk that I never learned because I shot the first buck I seen like what give, give us an example of what you learned I I was sitting um, on a point one time i like hunting bluffs and uh i was sitting on a little point to come out and i had a, a draw come down beside me that the deer were using and a, a real good probably three-year-old thick horned eight point had came down and was standing on the bench below me and he stood there motionless for a good 45 minutes God. and I, I looked him over real good i never never thought about shooting him and because he just wasn't what I was looking for. And when he took his first step off down to the next bench, a bigger buck, a bigger eight point that I did kill, had been standing up on the top the whole time and waited until his buddy cleared the, the bench and then started off to the next one before he ever came down. Yeah. Boy, that's something else that, right there. 
and I never would have seen that deer. Right. So, when you hunt up there, is everything you hunt just straight up and down? Yeah. Yeah, it's all limestone mountains. I, I got in my first, I, I uh, leased some bottom land with a buddy this year, but I hadn't hunted yet, so I still hadn't hunted in flat ground. <laughs> you won't know how to act, will you? No, I, I, I'll be able to, to park and just walk flat for two, three hundred yards to my stand. That I won't know what what thing. I won't even be sweating. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, up there, give, give us a give, give us and you know some of the listeners. Have you ever hunted the uh, Skyline Mansionary up there? I have not. I, I've been. I've always talked about hunting some of the management areas because we, we got great management area in great places and the, the the management area hunters that hear this are going to be mad at me for that but <laughs> but they're in real good spots and but i've i've always had some some deer on camera to bide my time to where i don't bother with the management area i i turkey hunted the management area with uh, my kids whenever right. the the public land was the the only youth hunts that were available at the time right yep and uh, but that i've never deer hunted right. i've always had some private land with something i wanted to kill that tied up all my time all right but so go ahead i'm sorry my hunting land is on that mountain yeah that's what i was so, going to ask you yeah so everything everything that you've all these big bucks that you've killed they're uh they're on private land but on the mountain yes okay yes limestone rough mountains okay well um you know you've been in a couple of magazines i know you're in alabama outdoor news so and they got a kind of little spread in there with your bucks on it so and and i seen you've killed a couple high 140s 160s tell us a little bit about those them real mature bucks like you've been killing uh they weren't none any of the same all different areas different scenarios some of them was well they were all luck but mm-hmm. some of them i happened to be hunting them some of them i just got lucky and and they got ran by me. Right. The I think the one that was um was in AON, uh I killed him on Thanksgiving morning. I was after he was one forty nine and a half. Right. Uh, I was hunting a big ten. It was it was one I ended up killing it. It was one sixty one and a half, I think. Right. And uh, I had my daughter was actually had been hunting with me a lot that year and uh, I had hung a stand. She was setting the stand that I killed. The one that was in the magazine on was a stand that I'd hung for her. It was a ladder stand I'd hung for her and she'd been hunting it all week for that Thanksgiving week. And uh, I'd, I always take vacation the first week of gun season. And uh, she'd been hunting it and been seeing deer, just nothing. My four kids grew up with me hunting big deer and I can't get them to shoot anything little. I, I try to get them to, and they they won't do it and so she she let a lot of stuff walk by that that week and i had hung a, a set down in a uh some cedars it was pretty rough down in there after the the 10 point and uh i didn't know that the the deer that made the magazine the palmated deer i'll just refer to him as the palmated deer right i, I didn't know that he existed all i had was a, a blurry velvet picture of him that i didn't couldn't tell enough about didn't even know what he was and uh, i'd hung that set and we were walking up and i i blow uh, i take a leaf blower since i'm on public land and i blow me a path from the truck to every stand i have right and uh 
we were going up the mountain and she said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to go over here to this cedar tree that I hung a lock on in. And uh, I said, you going to go on up there to your ladder stand? She said, well, I'm tired of hunting. She said, I want to I go over in your stand that you just hung. And I said, okay. I said, I'll go hunt your ladder stand. And so we swapped spots. And I got up there and got set up in hers and the person was hunting the property above me shot twice and uh, I heard him crank his four-wheeler up and he went around to pick up his deer and I was on probably the second bench off the top. I could see the bluff line, mm -hmm. but I wasn't on the first bench. I, I was down where it, it kind of opened up a little bit because I like being able to see. Right. And uh, I heard something coming off the bluff whenever I heard him drive around to go pick up his deer and I turned and looked and it was a doe and a buck and the buck run out probably 65, 70 yards from me and stopped looking off in the hollow that I was sitting on the edge of. And I, I normally, I, I look at everything through the binoculars. Right. And cause I, I want, I'm, I'm usually after a specific deer. Right. And so I'm looking at him through my scope because it all happened so quick. And I'm like, well, you know, he ain't that good. And I, his horns were chocolate kind of dark. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't. He blended in with the leaves in the background, and I, I just couldn't I couldn't make him a shooter. And I was just about to give up on him, and he turned and looked at me, and I saw the palmation on his left side, and I said, holy cow. And so I throw my binoculars up and realized that I was about to make a bad mistake, <laughs> and right. I shot him and yeah. didn't realize how good he was until he fell over off the bench and didn't realize how good he was, so I walked over there. Right. But I would have never killed that deer had the guy above me not shot two does and went in there to get him on his forward. And just pushed him off on there, down there on you, did Pu Pushed him right off down on me. Yeah, that happens a lot, you know, in certain scenarios. Now, what about the uh, 161? I continued to hunt him. He he actually came through. I had a camera. I love game cameras. Oh, I've, yeah. I've, I've got them everywhere. And uh, now I've switched over to all cell cameras and there i love them more than anything <laughs> and but they uh he had came through the day after that down into stand where my daughter had hunted that day mm -hmm. and uh, i'd just been paying attention to, to watching him where, wherever he was and just hunting every second that i could hunt and it was about two weeks after thanksgiving uh first half of december and my i it was raining pretty hard and i just i was staring out the window at home just waiting for it to quit <laughs> and my wife she said you might as well just go sit in the rain she says driving you crazy anyway yeah and so i did i just got my rain gear on and, and went and, and climbed up in a tree because i wanted to be there it looked like it was going to stop right at about that magic hour you know three or four o'clock and i wanted to be there if it did and it it sure enough about it it slowed down to a real light rain and would, would stop off and on about three. And uh, I was sitting down where white oaks and cedars met. It was down in, in, in the rocks, but there was a kind of a line there where there was uh, oaks behind me and a cedar roof below me. And there was an old logging road that had, hadn't been used in years. It was all grown up. And three does walked out of that logging road and started going around to my right. And I watched them till they got out probably hundred yards and was starting to get where I couldn't see them anymore. And I turned back and looked where they'd come from and all I could see was a set of legs. And then he cleared the 
there was a bunch of little beech trees there that still had their leaves on them. When he cleared them, I knew exactly the deer it was. Right. Because uh, he, he was just a big mainframe, typical 10. And he just was cold trailing them, just he was keeping them in sight and just slowly walking behind them. And I got all my, <laughs> pulled, pulled my little plastic rubber glove off my scope, was keeping the lens. As he come around the right side of the tree, it was, mm-hmm. it, that's where he laid. <laughs> Dang. Golly, what'd you shoot him with? 300 mag. 300 mag. Well, when you was talking about game cameras a while ago, and you said you like them cell links, but when you hunt in them big woods like that, how do you set your cameras up? Because, I mean, there's a, it's not like there's a lot of, you know, pinch points in, in them big mountains and stuff like that. And so, like, like we hunt, well, right here at my house, I hunt the National Forest. And, you know, I know what you're talking about when you're talking about big mountains and a deer, it's it's hard to pinpoint a, a certain area for these deer. You know, I've kind of honed it a little bit, but I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert at it. But you get me down on some flat land, you know, because we, we hunt in Bibb County, and it's 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 flat. And and I pretty much can find you a deer every time. But g- give us some uh, example of how you, how you decide where you're going to put your cameras at up on the mountains. I've got them all in locations that I've already hunted enough to know kind of how the deer move through the area. Right. And, uh, you know, some of them are in um, where they cross a creek mm-hmm. or a wash or at the top of a funnel. And uh, I, if I've got an area that I like to hunt, I'll go in and fairly close to where most of the deer move through, mm-hmm. I'll just go out and make a mock scrape and hang the camera on that. What do you use? What do you put in your malt scrape? What kind of scent do you use? Anything that's on sale and sometimes nothing at all. Oh, okay. I have no rhyme or reason to any. I mean, it's just literally whatever Walmart has on sale. Right. It don't matter if it's, it, it don't matter if it's dough and heat, scrape starter. You know, if they've got a 14 bottle, $14 bottle there, that's the best stuff on the market. And then they got a $6 bottle there. I'll grab a $6 bottle. Heck yeah. Do you pour the whole bottle in the scrape? No. Um, some of the ones I have drippers on. Mm-hmm. Some of them I have a, a few of the old uh, Pee Willie Wicks on. Right. And some I just make a uh, a licking branch. At, uh, if I can find a grapevine or something hanging around, I'll try to use one of them. Or, or just if I can find a little small bush, kind of make a little branch out of it. But, I mean, I can't really see that using a scent works any better than just kicking out the fresh dirt and the does take it over hmm. never thought about that Mm-mm. never thought about that that's a good idea i'm gonna try that because they're right now here at my house are starting to make scrapes so i'm gonna try that and i'm gonna put a camera on it yeah uh, i mean I, I i have good results out of mock scrapes right now I, I know you killed another what was the other one it was a it was a fairly big one too i've got a uh, 15 mm-hmm. that's that was 153 all right tell us a story about that one I was, I had, I, I've got some property where I live that I hunt on, and then uh, I'd had the deer on camera the previous year, and he was just a small ten with good mass, mm-hmm. and he probably wasn't a hundred and ten inches. Wow. And yeah, and then the following season, I. 
acquired 40 more acres that were cl- was close by from an, an older gentleman that I knew all my life. Now, I, I didn't have a deer to hunt, basically. Right. So I started going around calling in old favors, trying to find me a deer. And I hung a camera over there. I mean, I hadn't hunted since I was a kid. Right. And and I hung a camera over there, and then it was just a parade of bucks. And I was like, man, there's all kind of bucks over here. And my daughter ended up taking a, a really nice eight over there that I had passed during bow season. And, uh, but I was after that 15, I'd had pictures of him and he, he, I almost had him with my crossbow at 20 yards. Mm. He was on his way back to the bed. He was in a bachelor group and I think there was eight bucks, seven of them jumped the fence and walked right by me. And he walked to the edge of the fence, stuck his chest against the fence, looked both ways. Like he was trying to cross the intersection or something and decided it wasn't right, and all I had was a neck shot, and he turned around and walked back the way he came. Dang. Mm. And then he disappeared for a month. I didn't have him anywhere on camera. And so I was going out behind my house to hunt one morning. I think it was Christmas Eve morning. And as I was going in, I always, I've got a uh, food plot there, and I pull a card out of it, and I usually go sit on on the bluff and and view the, the cards in my phone. And as I started viewing it on the way to the stand, and he was there right before I walked there. I don't know how we didn't bump into each other. Mm. And he was headed toward the other property where I knew where his bedding area was. Right. And and I actually ran back to the house, jumped in the truck, drove around to the other property, and run and got in my stand. And at like 7 o'clock, he jumped the fence that time. And (laughs) the 300 did the rest. (laughs) Dang. Golly. He was uh, he was a a typical twelve. He had both G twos were split, making him a fourteen, and then he had a about a little over an inch teardrop drop time on his right side that made him a fifteen. That gum, mm. really palmated, crazy good mass. I've always if he'd have been a little bit wider, drop. yeah, if he'd have been a little wider, he'd have been a sure enough giant. How but wide he was, only was like, it? 14, 15 inches wide. Wow, and he still scored 153. Mm. Yeah, he just had a lot of times. Oh, my gosh. Golly, man, that's some big bucks you've killed. Are those the three best you've ever killed? I've got one um, eight-point that had uh, 10-inch brows and a uh, 10-inch base on one side. That yeah. was one. That was 153 also. Yeah. He's crazy big mass. All the ones that went over 150 all had crazy big mass. Right. He had a a growth the size of almost a, probably lemon size. It ain't quite baseball size on one horn. I'd never seen anything like it. It was, it was like a tumor, but it was all antler. Yeah. And it, it, it was a, a, it ran all the way to the tip of his beam and stuck out just like a, I don't know, like a vein of gold in the, in the mountains would look it just ran all the way around the outside of his beam and then when it got down to the bottom it just pooled around his ear and, and was the size of a of a lemon probably but his brows were ungodly i mean they, they were 10 inches oh my gosh man you got to send me a picture of that yes i right. see that what have you learned about hunting big bucks as opposed to when you started hunting and like you said you were a, a two-year-old slayer you know you killed all the two-year-olds what have you learned about, like, what what made you start chasing these bigger bucks? What turned you on to that as opposed to just killing two-year-old bucks? 
I just didn't get anything out of the grounds. It, it wasn't really ground shrinkage because I knew what they were when I shot them. It just, it was disappointment once I got to them. Right. And, and you know, one time it was actually the one that I killed right after the drop tine deer. I brought it, you know, I'd always bring them in and, you know, call my wife out there on the porch and be like, hey, look here what I killed. And she, when I, I, I killed that one, it was like a little three-year-old 110-inch, eight-point, I think. And she come out, and I said, what do you think? She said, yeah, it looks like all the rest of the little deer you killed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and she was right. It did. She said, what you keep bringing them dinks up here for? <laughs> yeah, that was exactly that. that was her sentiment exactly. She was like, yes, yeah, so. Yeah. I got a lot more uh, 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 attaboys out of her when they were the big ones. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, it's like anything in life. You just graduate to the next step, you know. When you're younger, you think numbers, you know, man, I got to kill more than all my buddies. And then you go, well, I got to kill more bucks than all my buddies. And then once you get, you know, as a, once you get a few years into hunting and everything, you graduate to a point where, you know, it, it's just, it makes, that's what's so uh, amazing about deer hunting to me. It's, you, you constantly graduate and it it's, it's constantly a challenge, you know, like once you say, okay, well, I can, I know how to. I know how to kill does, you know what I mean? I can kill as many of them as I need to. And then you go, well, I know how to kill two-year-old bucks. And then you start going, well, how do I kill those four-year-olds? Now, how do I kill that five-year-old? Now, how do I kill that seven- and eight-year-old buck? You know what I mean? It's exactly. like It's yeah. like your challenge. I mean, it's, it's always challenging. And, I mean, you never fully master hunting. So, I mean, it's it, you're always getting better, and you're always do, trying new techniques and everything, you know? Hey, Jerry, I'm back, but sorry about that. Uh, no problem, man. Hey, uh, on those bucks, what was the age groups in them? I don't – I've been always wanting to send – I don't believe in jawbone scoring. Mm -hmm. there, there's too much variation from what I've seen people guess at them. And, you know, a deer that's eating hickory nuts ain't going to have the same teeth as somebody that's lived in a bean field his whole life. Right. So the only true way in my mind is to send the front teeth off I always got good intentions about doing that. I never do it. Right. But I usually have enough game camera pictures of a deer over the years mm -hmm. to give it a good guess. And all of mine have, the big ones have been, I, I'm i going to say that the 15 mm -hmm. was four, just off the pictures I had before. Right. He, he really, I, I don't like shooting a deer until he's five because right. four is not, in my from what I've seen from my camera pictures, because I got pictures of deer all the way from the time they were three till 10 years old. Right. I mean, I, I got five, six years worth of pictures on them. Mm -hmm. And he did, he could have been a giant probably at five. Right. But my personal standard is if he's just okay, five year old is, is the shooting thing. Mm -hmm. But if he's got 140 inches of horn, I don't care if he's got a milk mustache. <laughs> he's getting shot there you go. got milk <laughs> I'm going to say that next time I shoot one pow got milk yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> oh, yep. at what uh, around where you hunt uh, at what age do you think they start regressing like their horns and stuff because I mean I, I mean what they're eating up there on that mountains you know different than you know different parts of the state or what they eat and stuff so at what age do you think like the bucks around your area that you hunt, your core area you hunt, at what age do you think they regress? Five to seven is peak, but they'll hold pretty close all the way out. I mean, I, I've seen them go all the way out to 10 and still have a pretty, you know, you 
they may lose, you know, at their peak, they may be, say, 140, 150. Mm-hmm. And, and that's at six, seven years old. They'll have that one just super year. Right. And, and then, but all the way up to 10, as long as they stay healthy and, and still have that big body, they're still only, you know, five, six inches off of that. Right. I, I think there's, I mean, in, in my mind, which is this is my opinion, but I mean, it's probably close to what the actual truth is. But I think there's three things that make a quality buck, and it's age, diet, and environment. You know, like when it's a, a stress-free environment, when their diet's really good for horn growth, and also age plays a factor, and you know the quality of the you know the rack and everything. That's yeah, why I like I can different see differences. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're good. Go ahead. I can see differences, and I, I have some. Um crop fields scattered around to different uh, properties that I hunt you know like not on the properties that I hunt but the deer go down to the crop fields and I can tell a difference a lot of times between a bean and corn year they'll have better racks on the bean years than they will the corn years mm, that's interesting more protein I'm sure yeah yeah and just more more longer you know they they're eating the, the beans stay green right up until they're ready to harvest and the corn really ain't ready for them to start eating for a little while right, right. so they're kind of scrounging and then they gorge, yeah, they, they they gorge themselves on the... yeah they got a longer growth season there with the beans hmm. that's pretty neat how big a buck is your daughter killed and you say she hunts with you a lot and she's killed some good bucks what's the biggest she's got 138 that's she's got a a, a real thick buck. 10 that went 138 and she was sitting beside me whenever she shot it it, it makes was it even uh, better yeah, yeah. She she stopped hunting with me for a little while, like hunting beside me, yeah. because she wanted to do it on her own. But then she re- started realizing real quick that there was a lot of stuff that I wouldn't shoot, that I would tell her about. You know, I seen so and so today, and she'd be like, "Well, if I would have been sitting there, I could have shot it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah, she uh, she shot uh, she the the one she shot where I was when I was hunting the uh, fifteen. He was just shy of one thirty. It was a, a tall, thick eight point, and then she shot a real, real heavy ten that was five or six years old. I'd have to go back and look at the fish just to to remember exactly how old he was. Right. But uh, he had six inch bases. God dang, dumb. Yeah, he he was he was a, a, a stud of a deer, and we we were sitting. It was probably, and that's another thing. Almost all of my deer, my bigger deer, had been killed when it was super cold. Mm-hmm when she killed her her deer it was uh seven degrees it was first week of january and we went and set out on bluff and uh she was watching one way and i was watching the other and she had a 30 uh, 30 that she hunted with and i had the 300 she seen the deer the deer come off and she said dad i think i got a shooter over here and i turned and looked and i looked through binoculars and i said yeah i said if you're not gonna shoot him i said i'm going to and, <laughs> you better and, pull the trigger <laughs> yeah and she, so she she looks at him for a minute and then she pulls her gun back down said, what is it and she said hand me the 300 i said really I, she said yeah she said i don't want him getting away and so we traded guns and i just watched through the binoculars and she, and she i said tell me when you're gonna shoot and she said all right i'm about to and she was leaned against my side and i just was looking over her head and when she shot i i watched a stream of blood just probably three foot long and six inches wide just spray out the back side of it yeah and Got he, him. <laughs> he just turned yeah he just turned a flip down the mountain but and fell behind a rock and she said don't get him i said oh yeah i said he's 
he's dead. Mm. So up there, up there in North Alabama, when when does the when does the bucks up there go in rut? Go in rut. The earliest I can recall, I've seen, is about December twenty seven, twenty eight. Right. A couple of years, I can I know because I. I always take Thanksgiving off to hunt. I always take Christmas off to hunt. And uh, right. multiple years I've been in, yeah, <laughs> multiple years I've been in the woods the few days after Christmas and see uh, probably three times for sure. I've seen three to five bucks chasing the first doe that's came in. Mm -hmm. And they'd just be running all over the mountain. And unfortunately, nothing ever was big enough for me to shoot, but it was still good to watch. So that that rut map in Alabama Outdoor News, do you think that's fairly accurate for your area? Um, it's long. I mean, I my, and it might be because I don't ever shoot any does. But my rut may start. You know, I may see them December the twenty eighth, but I also have shot deer full blown chasing the last day of January before we had a uh, February season. Right. You know, so it would run the whole month of January, and you could very easily see rut activity any time during that. Would Would you say? So, would you say that was probably the secondary rut, or I mean, what would you think? I don't know much about the secondary rut because right. <laughs> it's like it never stops. Right, gotcha. You know, I I've got I'm I'm never ever ever unless I just. My wife tells me we're out of deer meat, and I have to because I've not been good enough to kill a buck that year. Shoot a doe, <laughs> right? And if I do, I'll go to the farthest corner of my property to where I think I'm shooting the neighbor's doe, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in a big, calm doe herd. I mean, I want to see thirty does walk by me in a single set, right? And there's just so many that I think that when my theory is, if you got 80 acres with five does yeah you got a week of intense rut mm -hmm. but then the rest of the season i have all your bucks right yep yeah because i mean you got the doe herd the calm doe herds living on where you're hunting so now right. you're drawing the now you're drawing the bucks to you that doesn't matter how much feed they put out or you know supplemental yeah. feeding or nothing i mean it's they uh they come for the does in the rut. Yeah, the, during the rut, the bucks are not living on your property. Mm -mm. They, they're exactly. going, they're going to where the does are. I mean, it's just it's party time for them, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, the more the more does I can get, the better. I mean, I I've got feed locations all over my property just so I can keep multiple doe herds. And and now with the you know, I, I used to be two or three four days behind because I'd always have to go out and pull the card. And, you know, if he was in, in that herd, say, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I didn't pull it to Friday, I'm behind the game Saturday morning when I go in there and hunt. Right. Yeah. I mean, but you're, now, you're hunting now with cell cameras, I'm real time. That's right. Yeah, you know exactly where he's at, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah I had a, uh, a buck last year, and he, you know, without killing him, which, I mean, I did kill him, I just never found him, without laying my hands on him, I don't know how big he really was, but he was possibly the biggest deer I ever shot. He, I know he was over 150, mm. but he had some stickers. He had, he was 13 point. He had three stickers and that deer was, I mean, he was a corn addict. 
They loved it. I went in. I, I had cell cameras on. Um, I had him all through velvet. He shed his velvet. He was still hitting this uh, right above a, a bean field. He was in, in the, the timber up in the rough rocks. He was still hitting the corn just every day after he shed his velvet. Got video of him uh, eating his velvet after it fell off. I set one of the. I had That's a cell cool. camera on him, and one of my buddies from the Midwest said, "You need to take one of your regular cameras and hang it down there on video, so you can get some cool video of him." Mm-hmm. And I mean, he he's sitting there with velvet hanging off, and he reached down, and when he comes back up, it's like a piece of velvet jerky hanging out both sides of his mouth, and he just chews it up and eats it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I I watched him, and I watched all of his. I, I patterned him through the the cell camera, mm-hmm. and. Bow season came along. I went in. I popped me up a blind in the in behind a bunch of big limestones. It was going to be a twenty yard shot, no problem. I was just waiting for the right day, and he was in there at like seven thirty that morning. And the camera picked him up as he was leaving, going. I knew which bed he was in, and so I slipped down in there that evening. He come out. I had him at twenty yards. But he wouldn't ever give me anything but a quarter and two shot. Right. And I just let him feed through and walk off. Right. Did, didn't go back, decided if I didn't take that shot, I wasn't going to take a bow shot because I didn't want I'm not a big bow hunter because I don't want to lose a 150 inch deer. Right. So I waited and was, he, he moved after that. He knew I was there, obviously, because mm-hmm. he moved. And he moved over to another, actually, an easier place to hunt on my property, but. Him and another big buck that I'm still after. And uh, they had moved up to the benching under the bluff, and I had me a blown trail going down, and I fixed him up a feed spot right there. And I waited and was going to wait till rifle season, and he was real consistent the first two days of muzzleloader. So I went in there the third day of muzzleloader. Just like before, he come out with a a little eight-point that he'd been running with, and he came in just, I mean, I, I was having to watch my phone to see if I was going to have legal shooting light. Mm-hmm. And there was like four minutes left. And he come out and started eating. And the, the eight was quickly coming. And so I got, got up and got on him and shot before I was going to have to determine which deer was which. Because it was kind of thick in there. And, I, and it was getting dark. And I didn't want to have to look at two bodies through the scope and try to figure out which one's which right so i i shot and of course smoke went everywhere and both of them went in different directions i heard them run and then they just stopped and it waited till it got good pitch black dark and then both of them walked off in in both directions i don't got down i never found any kind of blood hair or anything but everybody in the area had that deer on camera weekly and nobody in the area ever got him back on camera dang and the next day i heard i went back in because i thought i missed right and I, I went back in the next day hunting the same stand and probably 300 yards down the mountain i heard a coyote barking mm-hmm. and i i've heard coyotes do a lot of howling but i've never actually heard one bark like a dog right and so i was sitting there and i googled it and it said that they bark like a dog over a kill and so I went down in there after I, the next day when it got daylight, I went down in there and I never could find, I, you know, I was just going off of where I heard the sound. 
and I never could find him or anything. But I, I'm sure he's dead. I'm sure I hit him. I, I I hadn't killed but one deer with a muzzleloader up until that point. Right. And he's. I remember it didn't bleed real good, and I I talked to a lot of people that said muzzleloader kills don't bleed real good. And I don't know if I just didn't didn't find any blood. If he he didn't bleed good, I don't know where I hit him. You know. Right. Hey, that sucks losing one like it. Oh yeah, it was a shame. Oh, gum it, man. Hey, uh, if you listen back on some of our old podcasts, we've talked to some guys, you know, that run uh, bloodhounds and stuff like that, you know, tracking dogs, and there's a link on one of our past podcasts to some guys that would help you out. You know, if you ever do end up shooting another one that's a good one, you can't find it. Those guys, they they work off of, you know, uh, charity, basically, you know. If that, you know, you call them up, and they'll come out there and track your deer down for you and everything, and, you know, you give them some money and stuff and help them out and – they're more than happy to do it, you know. Yeah, Brian Ham and Brian Adam Hamm. McKinney, they're up there. And uh... yeah, I had a um, a good friend of mine um, used to handle the Woodrow dog of Amon's before. Right. You know, if Amon was busy, he would handle it. Right. And uh, he was actually handling it when it got killed. And uh, but he offered to bring. He's he's got a. Uh, uh, one of them German Shepherd looking dogs. I can't think of the name. Uh, Malinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he's yeah. got one of them. And Belgian he's, dogs. He's, yeah, them yeah. Belgian dogs. And uh, he's got one of them that he's been working with. And he asked me, he said, do we need to bring her? And I said, well, I said, I, I think I missed because I did. I thought I missed. Because mm-hmm. if I would have just found a, a clipping of hair or, a, you know, a drip of blood, I'd have got a dog immediately. Right. But I was sure that I missed. And then the next day came and I heard the coyotes. And I said, well, he's laying down there dead. And, you know, that was day two. Well, it was almost dark when I heard the coyotes. I didn't want to go tromping around down there in case they had him bait up, you know. Right. So I waited till the next morning. I went back in there, and I couldn't find anything. By then, that's day three, and I never did even have a starting position, you know, with any blood or anything. So, But then as the weeks went by, I knew he was he was too seen by too many cameras. Right. I knew he was, he was dead. Right. And I still may find him. Yeah, you may. <laughs> I still look every time I go in the woods. I found one... Um, one of my landowners, I hunted a big wide buck for about four years, and one of uh, one of my landowners killed him, and uh, he couldn't find him. And I happened up on him last year, uh, about mid-January. I seen him. I, I, I looked, and I said, that looks like a rack. And I said, no, nah, it's way too wide to be a rack. I think the deer was uh, 23. He was 23, and he'd done laid there for two seasons shrinking. So. Yeah. He he was completely dried out. Not not a whole lot of chewing. The squirrels had chewed one of his G twos about half off. Yeah. But uh, he he was a deer that we had a couple of sheds on, and that, that was a hard deer to hunt. I, I I always stayed behind that deer. But that was before cell cameras. Yeah. Right. You got a good one you hunting this year? I yeah I do. I'm, I'm missing some. It's a it's a good acreing year, and and everybody's going to say the numbers is down and everything. I know they just they don't have to put up with us at our our corn feeders. Mm-hmm. when there's acorns in the woods so we don't That's get them on camera right. i've got a couple that i know that are going to pop up eventually come rut. right but i i got it that that lease that i got in the bottoms it's got a, a giant on it it's <laughs> it's uh it, it, it's got me interested for sure <laughs> well if you get him you got to come on let's talk about him too yeah yeah i will i hadn't even like i'm not even gonna hunt him until the rut i i just I, maybe somebody else won't get him. Maybe they will. I, I, I got a bunch of friends that are hunting him 
and I actually knew about the deer before I ever got in the lease right. because they they would share pictures with me. Do you video your deer hunts also? I I started last year. I never did get anything. Mm-hmm. It was too dark when that one came out. But I I I carried a um, I carried it Saturday. I carried a a young lady and her dad to try to get her a doe. And we I, believe it or not, even though I don't let <laughs> I don't like letting does get shot. You know, if it's a kid, it's it don't matter if it's a, a doe or a fawn or a one fifty. If they say you want to shoot it, they get to shoot it. You gotta let the kids have fun. Yeah. And uh, we had two coming out, and I had it all set up. I had multiple angles going in the blind, and, and uh, we were just waiting for it to clear a little bit of brush, and five gobblers came up and run them straight out of the field. Oh. There yeah, they go. spooked. The, the noise of the gobblers spooked them, and they run run off and never showed back up. But we're going – she'll be out for, for Thanksgiving break, so we, we'll get her on one for sure. But, there you go. Yeah, I, I carry it. It's – you know, it's it's hard on evening hunts because my deer don't never show up until dark. Right. But I, I hopefully on a morning hunt, I might be able to get one on camera. Right. All right. Well, um, give a little piece of advice to somebody that's never hunted up there in the mountains like that. What what would be one piece of advice you could give? You know, give a a starting out hunter. Yeah, or, just old greenhorn. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that helps me the most is hunting is every second. I mean, it, I, which now I'm fortunate to, to have places close to my house, but if it, if it was gun season, <clears throat> sorry, if it was gun season today and I got home with 30 minutes of daylight left, right. I'd run to the bluff and sit on it. Right. Cause I, I've got a 140 inch eight point that I killed on a 30 minute hunt. I mean, it, it was, it was new year's Eve and I was sitting waiting on guests to get to the house. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to run back here to the bluff. You know, well, I got 30 minutes. And literally in 30 minutes, he ran a doe by me. Right. 20 yards of me sitting on the ground. Right. It, it can happen any time. Right. You know, I, I don't, I'm not, I watch the wind. Don't get me wrong. I don't just go and hunt, but I don't use any kind of scent control. Right. I, I, I kill bugs for a living. Mm-hmm. And my boots that have bug spray on them from all days worth of work is mm-hmm. what I hunt in. I got one pair of boots. And they stay on my feet all the time. There you go. <laughs> Scent control. You there keep you that go. stinking them boots, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will. If I got a long walk in and, and I'm going to be walking through where my deer's going to be, mm-hmm. I will squirt some deer pee on the, the sole. Right. Just just because I have had does smell exactly where I stepped and kind of start looking around in the tree. Right. So I, I will spritz the bottom of my feet a little bit, but – I don't, you know, as far as dead downwind and washing my clothes. I mean, my wife washes my hunting clothes with all the rest of the clothes. Right. You know, in my in my opinion, if he's downwind, he's gonna smell you unless you're in an airtight bubble. Oh, you got that right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And my in the mountains where I'm at, it's swirl. There is no wind. There's no constant wind. It's it's Four. every every direction all the time that's exactly right that's that's what i was supposed to say right hunt. here right here at my house on this mountain if it says it's coming out of the north get ready it's going to come out of the east south and west and every corner yeah. in between yeah if i if i had a stand and said oh well i can't hunt that stand with the north wind it's a bad wind i'd never get to hunt that stand because it's right. going to blow from every direction every time i just hope for the best and people and who, I, go ahead I, i've had i've been looking at decent bucks you know a three-year-old buck he'd be over here 
and a doe be downwind of me, a group of does come in and, and catch my wind and blow and stomp and run off and the buck just keep on eating acres. Right. Because he's not going to run blind because he didn't smell me. Yep. That's right. You know, he's got to be the one that finds me. That's right. You know, people from up Midwest or on flat ground that hunt flat ground, they don't understand that. They say, well, you know, if the wind's blowing out of the north, just hunt downwind of him. Well, right. up, up here in the mountains, you can't hunt downwind. I mean, it's the wind swirls. You got thermals, just like right here at my house. The, the wind comes over the mountain, and when it comes over the mountain, all it does as soon as it comes down, it circles and comes right back up the mountain. It makes like a sort of like a circle. You know, it just sits there. It's like a, it's like a, 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 a turbo on a car. It or, just sits there and spins. Or like, or like when the water flows around a rock in the creek, it just makes a swirl. That's what it does, yep. yep. The, yeah. You can imagine the wind as water. When it comes over a, a rock, like in a creek or a river, it'll make an eighty. That's what that's what this is, you know, when you hunt in mountains. Yep. Or if it's blowing oh, into yeah. if it's blowing into a bank, it's just like you take a hose pipe and put blow it against the wall. It's gonna blow back right at you. Yeah. You know, splatter everywhere. Does it? Sure does. If, Flows I, can't, water. if I can't find a good uh, travel corridor just because it's a, a good funnel or something where I'm seeing deer, I won't sit just for weeks on end hoping one will come by. I, I, I guess they call it bump and dump now, but I'll walk I'll get down on Saturday morning. Like if I'm three hunts in and I ain't seen but a deer or two in that location, mm-hmm. and it might it might have been a good location last year. I'll get down and I'll just go to slipping until I bump up a bunch of deer out of their bed, and then I'll go back, get the stand from where I was, and bring it over there and hang it. And I'll hunt that that location until I wear it out, and the deer all figure me out, and they'll go start bedding somewhere else, and I'll walk around like bump them up again and hang right there. Heck yeah. Well, Jerry, uh, man, this has been great, man. I'm glad you got to take your lunch with us and all today. But if people want to watch your uh, YouTube videos and stuff, how do they they find you? It is on YouTube under Longbeard Legacy. Mm -hmm. I watch some of them too, man. They're pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) They're a lot better if my son's filming. If I'm having to film myself, you get a lot of good – uh, audio, but you don't get good video. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, turkey, uh, trying to film a turkey hunt is probably the hardest thing there is I've to do. I've knocked the camera over trying to shoot the turkey before. That's right. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm like uh, uh, Dave Owens now. It's it's about killing the turkey first. That's we'll right. Worry about, we'll worry about the footage after we got the turkey, but it's about it's about killing the turkey first. That's and, right. You know, I, I never miss so many times until I put a camera on. Now it's like I miss every other turkey. It happens. It happens. I mean, I, I, I miss more turkeys this season than I have my whole entire life. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what. You kill that big old buck this year. Get in touch with us, and, uh, and you know, we want to we hear the story on it. And uh, we will be getting in touch with you about time spring turkey season comes around. Let's talk a little bit of turkey, too, okay? Oh, yeah. I'm ready to talk some turkey now. All right. that's We are, too. Well, I appreciate you taking your time with us today, Jerry. And, Thanks and, for coming and on. everybody go out and, you know, if you want to watch some some of his videos, go to Longbeard Legacy on YouTube and give him a check out. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you.